At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, it is our privilege to partner with local churches both in the United States and around the world in training men for the gospel ministry. If your church supports CBTS with $200 a month and a commitment to pray for us, any student in your church can attend CBTS tuition-free. To learn more about how you can partner with us in providing informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, visit cbtseminary.org. Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We're really grateful that you continue to listen to this resource and that you uh, submit your questions. If you continue to have questions, you can submit them to Pastor's Inbox at cbtseminary.org. But in this conversation, we're going to take up uh, at least two episodes related to church membership. We're excited to talk about this subject because we think it is an important one. And uh, for this first episode, we're going to emphasize primarily on demonstrating church membership. So uh, that's the title of this episode, Church Membership Demonstrated. And uh, to kick off this conversation, uh, brothers, can you define for us what church membership is? Well, since the wording isn't down in the Bible, we can't very well turn to a a lexicon for a definition, but I don't know that there's any need for that because the English words are uh, quite understandable. Uh, Membership, the idea of belonging to a a particular group or being attached to others as a member, and then church in this sense would mean the local church or the specific recognizable congregation of Christ's people, and therefore church membership is a recognized attachment and commitment to a specific congregation. Our own confession in uh, chapter 26, paragraph 5 of the 1689, says, Those thus called he commandeth to walk together in particular societies or churches for their mutual edification, etc. And then the very next paragraph, paragraph 6, immediately follows, saying, The members of these churches are saints by calling. And therefore, those who walk together in particular churches, uh, they understood they are to do so as members of those churches. Now, whether you want to call it formal church membership or however formal a church may make it, well, at least there's the recognition of who belongs to that body as truly attached, committed, and accountable to it. So that's how I would kind of sum up uh, what I at least would understand of church membership. Joe, uh, what say ye? I, I would uh, agree with everything that you said, uh, brother. Church membership is a, it's, it's a willing covenantal commitment and attachment to the local body of Christ. Uh, church membership is me committing myself to the doctrine and practice of Christianity as it is upheld by the church, which is, according to our uh, according to our Bibles, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I feel, therefore, um, obligated as a follower of Jesus Christ to be part of that institution, which my uh, precious Savior uh, left here on the earth. The only institution that that he uh, established and organized uh, when he was here. So, yes, amen to everything that you said. 
So to kick off this conversation, uh, we defined church membership, but uh, continuing on now, uh, can you scripturally demonstrate church membership? Where do we find this teaching from our Bibles? Well, let me say that there was a time when I would have objected. I mean, come on, where do you find that in the Bible? Mm. I mean, the word membership, you know, if you look in vain, it's not there. Well, and, and that's true, but is the concept there? And I've come to be persuaded that, yes, it, it is. In fact, we find it in the book of Acts, even before the day of Pentecost, but certainly after that. Um, you remember in Acts uh, 2.41, you've got this distinct group of people with a definable number, 3,000 souls were added to them. And they were added to an existing recognizable group of people with a definable number. Going back to Acts 115, uh, those in that upper room were 120. Mm -hmm. And then to this number, the 3,000 plus the 120, well, we have others who are being added to that numbered identifiable body, 247 of Acts. Uh, it, it was known when they were, and the Lord was adding daily. Uh, to the church, those were being saved. And so these together, as that verse underscores, made up the church in Jerusalem, and they knew who was in it and who wasn't. And, and that especially because you've got this involvement, this uh, attachment to one another, a, a recognizable commitment. We come to Acts chapter 5. You recall how uh, you had these hypocrites in the church, Ananias and Sapphira, and how they were removed by God's direct intervention. Well, we're told after that in verse 11 of Acts 5, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard. So the church and everyone else, there's this distinction. You recognize this is the church. They're identifiable. They are distinct. And then that's further underscored in verses 13 and 14, when we're told how none of the rest, that is those who are not the church, none of the rest dare join them but the people esteemed them highly. And then it goes on to say, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Well, these verses are very uh, informing. It shows it was known who was in it, and also that the people entered it by joining, by being added to the Lord. And furthermore, that joining was a serious matter because these unbelievers no they're they're not ready to join with these people they're they're seen as distinct and happy to be that way and yet some were added and that very deliberately uh they were added to that number so uh, again it points to an identifiable uh number or membership uh you come to acts chapter 6 due to a problem in caring for the widows we've got the work and office of deacon being instituted and you remember the qualifications, how, you know, look out among you and choose from among you uh, these men who are wise, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, faithful men, they have a good reputation. But it's especially that among you. What does he mean? They mean by that simply visitors, people who just happen to be out there in the crowd somewhere. Well, obviously, mm -hmm. it means only those who are recognized as being truly part of that body, meaning it is a discernible membership. Well, we come later in Acts. You come to Acts chapter 15. You remember the Jerusalem council here. There. They're going to meet with a recognizable body. And when Paul and, and Barnabas arrived there, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders and so forth. 
Well, it's the church. It's recognizable as such. And even more noteworthy in that connection, when after they've written this letter or determined to send this letter, then they were to send out certain men to go with Paul and Barnabas. And, and it, we're told there that the whole church did this, was involved in this, not just the apostles and the elders. Well, how could it be known that the, quote, whole church was involved in sending these men? Well, there must have been some kind of express consensus, a vote or whatever, but it was a consensus from a recognizable body. It could be known who made up, quote, the whole church, not just visitors, people who happen to be on hand, but those who are known as members. Well, we don't need to stop at the book of Acts because we come to the epistles, and it's really an assumption that when the letter is written to these churches, uh, that it was recognized who was intended as those churches, who was included in it. But then you have like Paul's word of greeting in Romans 16, 5, and in the list of giving all these individuals uh, uh, that he's greeting, he, he then says also to greet uh, Aquila and Priscilla and the church in their house. Well, that's a church distinct from the church in Rome, but evidently was in close proximity wherever Aquila and Priscilla happened to be at that given time. But the point is, it's a distinct congregation, and it was known who made up that church. It's not just like, well, you know, they're near proximity to Rome, and therefore they're all just the church in Rome. No, you got these who are part of the church in Rome, and these who are part of this other church that meets at the house of Aquila and Priscilla, and it's known who belonged where. First uh, Corinthians 14, 23 is a, another text that speaks of the whole church coming together. Well, how do you know it's the whole church? There must be a, a discernible number, but especially in that very context, it talks about visitors, non-members, who were there among them, and they were entirely distinguishable. In yeah. other words, it was known who was in it and who wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, earlier in that very letter, 1 Corinthians, uh, that becomes ever so clear in that case of a professing Christian who was guilty of this gross wickedness. And we're told in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 5 that uh, this one should have been taken away from among you, what we would call excommunication. Well, clearly he hadn't been taken away. What does that mean? Well, it means he's still recognized as being part of that church. Mind hmm. you, wrongly so, but he's still recognized as being part of that body in some way. Well, he, he should not have been. Uh, but so it was. And then Paul goes on to say, verses 11 through 13, about how put away from you uh, this wicked guy. Well, what does that mean? Throw him out of the building? Open the door and cast him out? Uh, or simply say from now on, he's not allowed to enter the doors? with the, Well, or does it mean he's to be excluded from the ranks and life of the church? That is to say, not recognized as part of that church, not treated uh, as a believer, but rather as an unbeliever put outside. So he's to be excluded from a recognizable, as a recognizable part of a church. Well, that requires some means for recognizing who is and who isn't in that church, and also when one is no longer part of that church. And then the other major passage that addresses church discipline by way of excommunication uh, certainly demonstrates this. You remember in Matthew 18, verses uh, 15 through 17, you got a case of a sinning brother. Uh, his professed faith has been brought into question, serious doubt mm -hmm. by his sin. 
And if he will not repent, well, he's to be treated differently than he was before. Now he's to be excluded as an unbeliever, a tax collector or heathen, uh, which means that before that time, he was recognized as part of the church. And remember that context is speaking of the church local and how clear that is, because when we're told there, tell it to the church, if you will not hear, that doesn't mean tell it to every person who's a member of the church universal. Mm -hmm. I hope <laughs> it means you've got this recognized body who is in the church and who isn't. And these are uh, uh, all to be involved in hearing about this and involved in this work of excommunication. But again, it requires a discernible membership. It's further demonstrated by those many verses which speak of being under God-given leaders. All believers are obligated to be under such, to submit to such, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, uh, recognizing those who have the rule over you, who admonish you, uh, Hebrews 13, 17, about to submit to those who rule over you, those who watch for your souls, as those must give an account. Well, uh, that means that it's a recognized number. Mm -hmm. I recognize who my elders are that I'm to submit to at the same time. It shows that those elders know who it is that they're to watch for, that they're watching over their souls as those who must give account. Joe, I don't know about you, but I sincerely hope that I'm not going to have any give an account for all the souls that make up the church universal. Amen. Uh, you know? No, it's a recognized body. Uh, or when Peter says, now you elders, uh, you shepherd the flock that is among you. So it's recognized who they are and who is not part of that, well, that can only take place in a context uh, where there is this local church, a recognized leadership and identifiable membership. Um, well, that's at least something. I think I could probably come up with more, but I've gone on quite long enough. Admittedly, these verses do not use the word membership, nor do these verses say how one becomes recognized in a local body but the concept of an obvious, identifiable attachment to a specific church, that I say is undeniably biblical. Now, Joe, anything you want to add to that or any other objections that you would want to address, brother? Uh, brother, what, what can I possibly add to it? I'm kind, of, I'm kind of wondering why I even showed up this morning, <laughs> but... Uh, you may, you may have left me one. I'm looking over my, uh, notes that I kind of prepared. You may have left me one thing, but thank you, brother. Uh, you have been thorough. I, I, I personally would love to, uh, hear someone on the other side of this question, try to answer all of the biblical arguments and illustrations that you've given. And actually you covered all the things, uh, even though I'm teasing with you, cover all the things basically that I thought of, um, or that I had studied myself, uh, back to your point about elders and deacons. I, I don't see any way you can have elders and deacons if you don't have a defined church membership. Mm -hmm. Who's going to, according to our, con our uh, confession, uh, the elders and deacons are to be chosen by the church. Well, therefore the church that chooses them must have a defined, uh, membership. Uh, I want to know who it is that I am supposed to uh, shepherd, as you said. Uh, our deacons need to know who it is they're supposed to serve. Uh, all of these, or these two offices, 
necessitate a defined church membership. Hmm. Now, I want to thank you, uh, Pastor Lee, for leaving me one passage uh, to mention. As as you started out going through Acts, I thought, okay, I've got the I've got some stuff in the epistles, and uh, um, but you covered about everything in the epistles, and then I thought, well, he hasn't mentioned Matthew eighteen yet. But then there you go back to Matthew chapter 18. I don't think you mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Uh, possibly you did, but uh, let me read that. If any has called sorrow, and I believe that probably Paul is referring to the man that he had uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5, um, who probably had been put out of the church for his sin. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if any has called sorrow, he has called sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. Here's what Paul said. Sufficient for such a one is the punishment which was inflicted by, this is so important, the majority. So mm -hmm. says the New American Standard Version. The majority. The majority had inflicted punishment on a sinning brother. And now the apostle Paul says that you need to be upon his repentance. You need to be willing to forgive him and to comfort him. Otherwise he might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. If you're going to have a majority, you have to have a defined number. Hmm. And so the church could never have voted the majority of them to exclude this erring brother from its membership if there were no such thing as membership. Where there's a majority, where there's a minority, there must be a defined uh, membership. Um, other than that, I just want to say amen to, to everything you said. I, I thought about mentioning Diotrephes. Uh, John, uh, in, uh, I think it's third John. He says, I wrote to Diotrephes he, or I wrote him to the church, but Diotrephes who loves to have the preeminence of over them. And he talks about Diotrephes casting some of them out of the church. There again, that cannot be the universal invisible church. It has to be the local church and you have to be in the church before you can be cast out of the church. Um, I don't, I don't see any way around uh, the, uh, uh, what the subject that we're looking at today, defined church membership and what a glorious privilege it is to have my name on the roll of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would think it should be that way to every true believer in the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Lee, I'll give it back to you. Well, you know, uh, one of the concerns was objections. And again, going back to the days when uh, uh, I would have had at least reservations as an objections to the concept of the idea of church membership, as I would have said, well, you know, this is a mere formality, having your name on a roll. Uh, whoever shows up, they're the member, whoever they're regularly, they are the members. Well, uh, can I say that, that, those who would treat it as a mere formality or only a name on a roll, that's not biblical church membership. Uh, and hopefully in the next episode, we'll take up something of what that looks like. Uh, but 
But if it's just a name on a roll or a mere formality, well, that's that's an abuse or an aberration. And therefore, you can't really judge the validity or the warrant of a matter by its abuse. And therefore, we're driven to what does Scripture say? And, and, and Joe, I, I appreciate uh, these two passages, especially that you've mentioned. And I, I suspect that given time, we could both come up with a number of more supporting passages that would underscore again that it is a recognizable commitment, attachment, accountability uh, to a specific congregation. So, well, I've rambled certainly far enough. Allison, I'm going to put this back in your lap there. Well, we've described uh, the definition of church membership. We've talked about uh, this doctrine demonstrated from Scripture. And to wrap up this first conversation on church membership, is it really that important? Uh, and if so, why is church membership important? Well, I would say simply, I hope we've carried the conscience as to it being biblical, a biblical concept. And if it is, if it's according to God's word, then it's important. But there are many reasons uh, for our own personal safety, having an accountability uh, to a recognized body, to a church, uh, to be under the uh, uh, oversight of pastors and having accountability to them, but also an accountability to one another. The New Testament speaks of this. Uh, a context for serving our brethren where they are accountable to us. In Hebrews 12, when it talks about uh, looking, you know, taking care that none come short of the grace of God, no bitter root springing up, no profane person like Esau. It's not simply saying, don't you be this, so that could be included, but it's really saying, look out, uh, that, that you've got none of this going on in your midst. Membership's important for our standing together. Philippians 1.27, about uh, uh, having one mind and, and striving together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, well, again, who am I to stand with? It's important in that connection, even for fulfilling the Great Commission, where uh, disciples are to be taught to observe all things that Jesus has commanded. Where is that to take place? But the church has recognized disciples who are being discipled there. And then you've got all these one another commands and exhortations in scripture, uh, well, these are addressed to letter in letters to churches, uh, meaning that the context for fulfilling of these is in a recognized relationship and expressed commitment to a church. If not, how can all of these one another passages be obeyed, but then also for our own edification as well as for our edifying brethren serving them uh, speaking the truth to one another in love as each part does its part there in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, that's in the context of a, a recognized attachment and commitment to each other where there's real love and real trust. Well, Joe, uh, what would you add to that, brother? Um, there's little that I can add to that. I, I will just say church membership is important because I, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ uh, founded his church uh, that includes the local church and i believe that he would have all things done decently and in order mm. uh, i believe that a well-organized church is a credit and honor to the lord jesus christ his apostle told us to do everything decently and in order and if i can find a church that preaches his true gospel and upholds his ordinances I want to be a member of that church. It's certainly important to me, and I believe it should be important 
to every Christian. But maybe we can say more about this in, in our, uh, an upcoming episode. Hmm. Well, we do hope that you will tune in to the next episode as we continue to talk about church membership. And we're thankful that you have listened to this conversation. Uh, we have defined and demonstrated church membership. And in the next episode, we hope to uh, talk about why it's a blessing to be a member of a church. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed or uh, your mind has been provoked to some other topic because of this conversation, we encourage you to submit your questions to pastors inbox at cbtseminary.org. And uh, thank you for listening. Until next time, we wish you grace and peace.